You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. I first heard about the phenomenon of musical plants last year when my mum sent me a YouTube video from an account called Cosmic Knot where a guitarist used a device to translate a small tree's electromagnetic output into music in Sherwood Forest, and the guitarist was actually able to play along with the tree. It even seemed like the tree was responding back to the guitarist's playing, which as far as I'm concerned is the closest thing I've ever seen to true two-way communication with a plant. We're very lucky to have that very guitarist, Tom Wall, on the show, who's been generous enough to share two songs with us for this episode, and to help explain what exactly is going on here, because it does seem to be very far out. Welcome to the show, Tom. Welcome as well. I'm glad to be here. This is uh, amazing to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, this is going to be a sick episode, dude. I can't believe that we're going to be talking about plants making music. And we're not being metaphorical here either. No. That's what's weird about it. It's definitely a wild concept. So I guess let's start off this episode by asking, what is music? Well, I I can honestly say that it is the most profound subject to me because music is life. It literally is. It's it's to me, it's the creation of the cosmos. It's the creation of everything that is basically living to a degree. Um, the sound and the silence. I think that space is a matter of sound and silence and uh those pockets of sound and silence create things like our planets and our movements and 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 all of that because obviously our original space explorations came from taking radio telescopes and probing into the depths of space and then using that converting that into uh images but the truth was is that it was actually radio telescopes and uh, every celestial body we know definitely has a frequency that it's emitting. We know Earth has its own frequency. And we definitely know that there's a frequency that is inherent throughout nature. There's a frequency that's inherent when you're listening to different parts of the seasons, even in nature. And that calls in, I feel like, different times and different things and uh, maybe different bloomings, different growth patterns of certain plants. And so I there's a connection that underlies through all this that I, I just don't think a lot of people understand, but I think sound is one of the primary functions of life. And I think it's been proven, but a lot of people might not um, be aware of that or very hip to that. So for me, I think it's, as I said, it's, it's one of the most absolutely profound subjects that we can get into, but it's also, you know, one of those things that without it being explored as much as it has, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, all of my feelings to, to our listeners without it getting too lengthy. So being that nature is music and music is nature, I, I try and incorporate the sounds of nature into our music. And that's with my band Cosmic Knot. And I found that there's an actual underlying correlation with nature and, and modern music and that modern music's usually tuned to eight, 440 hertz. And that's eight above middle C on a piano. That's the standard concert pitch. Uh, we had been tuning to eight four hundred and thirty two hertz for quite a while just because it kind of gave you a little bit more of a relaxing feeling. It's just above a half step flat. And when we would play in that, we noticed that the relaxing quality was quite um, apparent to a lot of people. But then when we started correlating nature to our music, we found that nature was actually 
already in tune with the 432 as opposed to having to be pitch corrected to 440. Hmm. So uh, it was really strange for us to understand that we were already playing a frequency that was more kind to the tunings of Mother Nature. So to, to go from that and, and then to be able to actually dive into this whole plant music thing, it's like, well, there's there's an essence of life. This is, this is, it's an essence. It's essential. But also at the same time, it just seems to be this mysterious quality, whatever music is, and it's carried all of us through. And many of us, many of our forefathers and foremothers probably wouldn't be here to give us the life that we have, or wouldn't have been here at least, without music because those songs had to be preserved in their music. Their, 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 or their songs had to be basically a catalyst for their survival because they would maybe harness the directions of how to get somewhere or like for over here in America, the slaves actually had to make music to encode the messages of how to get north up uh, in the area where I live, get away from the slavery. So there was actually these different songs that they would create. And that's kind of where the blues originated from, where these people would be in the fields slaving away, but then they would make up songs that they could encode that the, the slave owners wouldn't understand. And that would get them to know how to get north through the various routes of the Underground Railroad and everything. So I'm sure that's happened over and over in our history of even being humans. But music is is the is the fundamental source of a lot of things I think for us in nature, and I think that it just needs to be probably explored more to be understood. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be looking at this a lot closer. Well, I was and I was going to explain earlier. I, you know, that's something I probably need to touch on is. I, I had a, a man who's taught or been learned. He's learned from many Eastern gurus, and he taught me just uh, recently. He's like, "Well, if you don't think music's a part of your your life, to sit and listen, and everybody has that internal hum that they can hear deep within their their being. And if you sit in a, a quiet room, you can hear it. And if you if you can hum that note, and then you can then tap out the, your heartbeat, like feel your pulse, and then tap, you know." While you're whatever whatever your particular heartbeat is to that hum, you have your little your your actual own song of your actual body existing in this current moment right now, and to think about that that everybody is actually just a living song, a living series of notes and and harmony going together. That that tells you how profound sound really is, and what how profound music really is, you know. Yeah. So you can play music with plants and you can hear the music of plants through a device. Can you explain what this device is for our listeners? Um, the device I use is called the Music of the Plants device and it was developed in Italy by an organization called Dominure. Now, from what I've been told and what I understand about Dominure is they were uh, channeling, they said, it, I guess, Atlantean type of ideas and things like that. And we're coming across some different things. And there was experiments going on in the seventies of these different plant subjects. Like there was even a point, there was a point where the, uh, some people tried convicting a person in a court case with plants that were hooked up to electrodes because they said that somebody who caused a violent act around a plant would peek out the meter is basically like a lie detector test. So they brought in different subjects. And when they said that the murderer came in the room and the plant peeked out, the subject, it, it didn't work really well, and it ended up being a situation where they, they had a hard time replicating it, so they couldn't really use it. Mm -hmm. But uh, but what it is, is it's 
they, these people developed this, through these ideas of this technology. They basically dove into it farther, figured out what they could do to make it what it is, and uh, found a way to tap into the plant's electromagnetic readings. So they took a device that was similar to the one they tried using back in the um, 70s to, for these different experiments and court cases and all. Mm. And they, they honed it in to be able to clip onto a leaf and a root of these plants. And then through that, they can read the electromagnetic pulsations between the two. And it gives off a reading with a, a waveform. And through that waveform, you can assign musical notes. So if you got like a one-inch peak, then that one-inch peak can be A. If you got a three-quarter-inch peak, that could be B. And this is just to simplify the idea. You know, depending on what size wave you get, if you consistently hit a certain note, then that note will hit that particular – or that – I'm sorry, if you if consistently hit a certain peak, well, then that peak will be that note. And through the peaks, it registers musical notes into, you know, something melodic so we can play along. And how it's registered. So it's, it's an electronic device that registers a plant's electromagnetic fluctuations from root to leaf. And you know, short answer. And I guess, how do we know that this machine isn't just a scam? And I, I, you know, that's that's the question I've been asking right from the get, and that's why I've been trying so hard to make sure that whatever I do is found in as much science as I can possibly keep it in. I thought it was potentially just something that was just going to make a note, or like something that was basically like a synth that you just you plugged into something and it made a current enough to make noise, and that noise was, you know, whatever it could have been. I didn't think it was going to be actually not only musical, but improvisational and extremely predictive for what it is so the first time i plugged it in i thought for sure it was just going to be like a one note kind of ambient thing and i was like cool i'll sample that and i'll put it on some background for a drone or something on one of my songs and we can see we got a plant playing you know and then so i plugged the thing in and it starts jamming like a jazz piano sort of thing and i'm like what <laughs> there's no so i started kind of playing with it and i couldn't keep up because this thing's just going and and I was like, all right, so this is pretty weird. I was like, well, I wonder, at the very last minute, I was like, I wonder what happens if I play something to it as opposed to trying to play with it. And sure enough, when I did that, the plant just kind of it, it stopped what it was doing to the, the, I guess, ambitious degree that it was doing. And it started kind of formulating around what I was doing. And then all of a sudden it became this melodic thing. And it was actually harmonizing with me quite beautifully. And I stopped almost immediately. And I was like, there's no way. I am absolutely crazy. Like I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying way too hard to imagine that this is real and there's no way that there's anything to this. I need to stop. So I just, I, I quit trying to play music with it. And then I plugged in a bunch of other plants and then I started noticing, that, and this is all like right the same session. And I started noticing that, well, this one's only making one of those long notes. And well, this one doesn't make noise or noise at all. Well, then this other one, no, oh, that makes, you know, something similar, but it's not like the other one. And it just happened to be that that first one I plugged into it was just at the right time or something, but it happened to have enough predictive abilities that I caught on to just a, an idea of it, but still dismissed it. And I laughed and I waited a couple of weeks and I had my band over for practice because we were going to go into the studio. So as my drummer and my bass player were there, I'm like, look at this thing, man, this is crazy. And I plugged in the plant and I started playing and I was like, isn't this cool? And I'm like, that's really interesting. And then my drummer walked away and went to our, our music room and started playing drums. And when he started playing drums, the thing came alive. And I was just like, "There's what's going on here? This, and even my bass player was just like, this is really strange. So I, I ran in the room and I told my drummer, his name is Mario Copeland. I was just like, 
you got to hear this. Let me let me swap you out. So I started playing drums a lot of him here. At, and he said it was definitely uh, energetic. I don't think it was quite to the degree that he was because I'm not half the drummer that he is. But um, definitely correlated with that. And so we said, well, we got a session coming up this weekend at the studio. Why don't we bring this with us? And then if we get a free moment, we'll do an experiment in, in the actual professional sound area. So that way we can get an exact correlation on what we're doing. While we get to the studio and, we, and get a day in and it's getting late in the day and we needed some food. So we, you know, we took a break and we just had the food delivered. And as they did that, I was like, you know, I think we should set this up. So I grabbed the plant and I got it going. I got it ready to go. And the engineer came in and I told my drummer, I was like, let's just try this first before we eat. I'm just curious. So we set, as, as, as it was all going, we, we set our, the drums and the guitar in the mix good so the plant could be influenced by it, but it wasn't in the same room. And we started playing. That's what the one I sent you the link to. But as we, once we started playing, the plant actually held out and was like just playing a little bit of ambient stuff. And as soon as my drummer came in, because I was playing chords, so I was playing with the chords. And as soon as my drummer came in, the plant went from playing a, a one line, a one note line thing, like a linear thing, to playing all chords and playing this amazing, like just came just jamming in, like it was like it was waiting for, it. like it knew exactly where to come in. And then kept on playing with us, and you can hear me. I almost fall over. I was laughing so hard, and I couldn't. I was in, I was just in such disbelief. And I even say to my drummer, "I'm like, we are jamming with a plant right now." And from that point on, I realized there was definitely more going on. And we performed more experiments, and as we performed more experiments, we saw more correlation with the music. And that was just in that day alone. And so then from there, I I told my buddy who informed me about the device, and he said, "Look, man, there's only one thing you got to do right now." And there's this festival uh, by us that's called Electric Forest, and it's the probably the biggest or biggest festival that has been around here in the Midwest for quite some time. And he says you need to go up to the grounds of Electric Forest, and you need to plug Electric Forest in, and you need to play Electric Forest. And I was like, that's a good idea. So I went up there on uh, the winter solstice with my girlfriend, and I had her film the whole thing, and I thankfully had a, a, a little outlet in my car so I could plug my amp in. You could hear me play and all, but I plugged it in and did the electric forest thing at the Sherwood Forest and and released it on New Year's of that of that year, and it went to like twelve or fourteen thousand views in in eight eight and a half. And I knew right then it was like okay, there's definitely something more going on here than I'm understanding. And it went from there to well, I wound up at Nam out in California just a, like a couple weeks later, I think two two weeks later, and. NAM is, is the biggest music conference in the world that I, that I know of anyway, but everybody comes from all over the world to go to this, this conference. And there's, you can't even see it all in a four day span. Like you could, if you walk to every single booth there, I don't think you could do it all in a four day span. It's just unbelievable the amount of people and everything there. It's like the industry at, at its peak for music. So I'm here with this, you know, this little device and I'm, I'm, I'm in backyard of my rented house that we had for to stay there and i'm digging up a plant in the backyard and as i'm digging up this plant in the backyard I, I, with a spoon mind you into a mug because i was like i gotta start i gotta sneak a plant into this place i'd flown into california from michigan i'm like how do i get a plant into this place so i can play with a plant at this music conference so like I said, I'm out in the backyard. I'm digging up this plant with a spoon. I'm putting it into a mug and I hide it in my backpack and I hop in the car to go to the um, 
the show with all the people that I was staying with, and they just started kind of laughing and like, oh, whatever, like you're ridiculous, kind of. But they they were nice enough to, to have some faith in me. But they just, you know, they were still like you could tell they were all just like, man, I don't know about this. You seem crazy right now. <laughs> so I get the name and I plug it in and I start showing people, and they're really impressed. And I was supposed to play that night at a booth um, for Mason Guitars, and they're based out of the Netherlands and uh, China. So I get to the booth and I'm like, so I got this plant. Can I play it here at your booth when I when I play? Can I do a duet? And they're like, what? Sure, I guess. I don't, they just didn't even understand what I was asking them. So I get there and I set the plant up and I play and I, I start doing the thing and everybody's like, wow, this is really amazing. And a puppet crew had found out that I was doing this and they came down and they started dancing along with me in the video. And I got to get the full video, but there's one of them on YouTube that you can see some of it. But this puppet crew comes in dancing while I'm playing with this plant. And it's just like the strangest experience because before this, I'm watching all the people who are going on before me and they're all like the most virtuoso guitar players in the entire world. It seemed like then I come in, I, I consider myself to be a good guitar player, but I'm, I'm not that, but I'm playing with a plant. So it's just such a contrast to all these just amazing, amazing guitar players. But it was a cool little jazz ambient thing. And that turned into, me asking them later, I just wanted to buy a guitar because I had all my guitars, or all my guitars and all my gear stolen prior to getting into all this. Now, if I got into the actual whole story of how I got here, we'd be here for days. We're not going to get in there right now. But all my gear was stolen, and that helped push me to get in this device in the first place. But with all my gear stolen, I had played at, at the Mason booth, so I hit him up and I said, hey, can I possibly buy a guitar from you guys? I need a new one, and I really like your guitars. And they asked me if I would be one of their artists instead. And I was like, I was just dumbfounded. I said, well, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to be. So then they sent me a guitar for their, you know, for their endorsement and everything. And this, if it, if it's, if it's a scam, then somehow they're scamming me pretty good too, because I've seen some pretty amazing scientific possibilities with this. And I've, I've done a lot of experiments to try and prove it wrong. To be honest with you, I brought it to engineers. I brought it to multiple engineers. I brought it to, my professor, a friend of the U of M, I brought it to multiple other people that have worked at universities, and I haven't had anybody be able to discredit what's what's going on here yet. So I, I don't think it's a scam, but I I do appreciate the the uh, the questioning of it because I questioned it from the day I started with this. But it seems to be the farther I go into it, the the more truth I find as opposed to the the, the lack of. So I think we're in good territory. Yeah, I mean, I just ask because it does sound incredible. I mean, it's it's completely changing the way that people think about plants because if they have this output, what does that mean? But I think we'll get to that a little bit later on in this episode. But I guess this machine, you know, it has its sounds. It might have a – you can set it to harp or you can set it to keys and stuff like that. But what overall kind of a vibe would you say that the plant music is? Like how would you describe the plant music? You know, I I think it could adapt to just about anything, but it's just adaptive more than it is anything. But the the, the overall core of it seems to be a jazz improvisational sort of approach. It definitely seems to be like a jazz oriented improv style, but that could go anywhere. I mean, I, I played blues with it, I've played jazz with it, I've played folk with it, I've played um, electronic music with it. I know other people that have played electronic music. As well, I actually uh, met a friend because of this. His name's uh, Jake Griba, and he he apparently does similar work like this. And he also 
has done electronic music with us, from what I understand. And I've met a few other people as well. So it, it, it can adapt to pretty much, I think, whatever, however, when you get to that point. But at the same time, it's still questioning what's even adapting or what where is this even, you know, I, I don't know if the other people have had the same experiences with it. And I don't think that they have to the same degree. So my experiences probably have pushed me in a different idea of thinking what kind of music this is. But to me, it seems to be a jazzy kind of improvisational thing, more or less, that can cater to whatever style that you might need. <laughs> yeah. So that seems to be the common thread between different plant species. You know, I would say different plants. So when we were going to record the next session a couple of weeks later at my album, I rented this house for my uh, my buddy, who's uh, his name is Maruga Booker, and he's played Woodstock over here back in the '60s when that was like the, the hot thing to do, and uh, recorded with a bunch of famous bands. And he's he's just a well known dude around here for what we do. And he came into the house, and I wanted to show him before we got into the studio so he could see what we were doing. And I hook up the first plant, and that plant played as many notes as it possibly could in as much time as it had to play it. And, I mean, it was almost exhausting to listen to. And Maruga was like, man, he's like, that guy really wants to play, doesn't he? He's like, that's almost a bit too much. So I was like, <laughs> no, let me see what, what another plant sounds like. So I plugged it into another plant, and it just started just – it just had a nice jazz approach, real laid-back kind of dinner vibe. And Maruga looks at me and goes, now that guy's got the gig. That cat knows how to play. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, we're talking about plants. This is crazy. So then we did a, a, a session after that. and We did a jam, and you can find that on YouTube, too. That was really cool. And uh, we realized that that plant that was playing nice was a good plant to jam with, while the other one was just so energetic that we couldn't even do much with it. But like I said earlier, you can plug it into another plant. It won't play at all. Most of your desert plants won't even get a draw. And I'm not sure how or why that is. And I've tried to get a draw off of basically everything with this device from water, to mud, to jello, to freaking your body, to mushrooms, to you name it. And uh, it seems to be strictly only certain plants that have the, uh, the ability to do this. So it's, it's really strange to see it. But yeah, definitely there's a link there between plants and like certain plants and there's certain personas of music i guess they're certain phrasing if you will yeah that actually almost makes a bit of sense because desert plants have adapted different ways of photosynthesizing so like they're some of them only open their pores at night so that might have something to do with the fact that they're not actually open right right absolutely and we're worried, i mean i truly think that the, the ultimate catalyst to all this and us and nature and living everything in the entire you know existence of our world is water so yeah there's a and i have a lot of science that can kind of correlate that with what i'm what i've been into but that's that's a whole literally a whole other episode but to know that that's there maybe you know it, as the water fluctuates through the the plant and as it carries elements because as we know the the plants mine elements out of the ground mm. food source maybe the elements moving with the water create a sort of you know, maybe that that helps create some of those those things, and maybe water can get excited through through its own uh, understanding of itself. Like I started playing at four thirty two because I had a glass of water on my amp, and when I was tuning my guitar by ear, I noticed as I got close to a certain note, the glass actually the water in the glass started forming perfectly 
concentric rings, they were all exactly within each other and held there. They were just, it was vibrating in such a way that the rings would just float there almost on top of the water. And when I, when I got that to work, I, uh, I, I noticed what I, or where I was tuning to. And I noticed that 432 was the closest that it was. And I was just, I was like, so even water is responding to this 432 thing. Cause at that point I was hip to it, but I wasn't really doing it all the time. But when I realized that it actually responded in the physical form from my eyes, that's when I really started getting into it. So who knows what's really going on with this, but you can change the, 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 the device to 440, but it does come stop playing at 432. So obviously you gotta you know, correlate certain things like that with it to get it to work correctly. But it's kind of interesting. Basically the, the device itself, just for, for our listeners to understand is like a dulcimer. Um, you can have it open-ended, which means you can have it play any notes that you want musically, or you can give it a certain scale. Uh, dulcimer is like an instrument that is in a certain scale that no matter what notes you play, you will play within a certain scale. So that way you're not playing too far off for somebody who doesn't know how to play very well. But if I was to give, and I don't know, are you, are you a musician, Daniel? No, I'm not. And I, I don't think a lot of our listeners would be either. So that's probably a good thing. Yeah, so so if I was to give a, somebody who doesn't know how to play music a dulcimer, no matter no matter if the notes are perfect all the time or not, to play it fluently and play the right notes even within that scale and play play them in a harmonic way, playing like I said, a fluent way that that's very very tough to do for even somebody that's a conscious, as supposedly a conscious individual, you know. So if you can give a plant the same instrument and it plays as proficiently as it does. I feel that there's something to that there where there's got to be some kind of correlation of some kind of strange linking tie, but wouldn't it be something if it was water and not even the plants or us in in general, that'd be kind of interesting to think about. (laughs) I think, yeah, but who's going to fund this study? (laughs) Well, you know, Victor Schauberger back in the early 1900s was really onto it. And he had a few people trying to, trying to give him some money and, I don't think it went well for him because if you do, if you, if you get to that point, I mean, for example, one drop of one atom of water holds enough energy to take out an entire city. I mean, obviously we've seen it with nuclear weapons and things like that. It only takes one atom to break to, to cause that much energy. So how much energy is actually in water? We see it all the time in lightning and rainstorms. So the, the energy is there. We've just completely, literally completely avoided it. Cause I know that that science is out there somewhere, but we we've as a society for means of efficiency and things like that we've we've completely avoided it. I know, like I said, people there the studies have been there, but there's not probably enough money to be made in that because that means that energy's everywhere. You know, and if we could tap into, <laughs> like Tesla said, we could just tap into it out and right in the ground if we had it set up right. So I don't think that, that yeah, you're, you're right. Who who has the money to invest in that? Considering they're probably going to cut the throat of somebody who's like a coal company. You know, and you don't want to mess with those guys. They're probably going to come take you out. No, they'll probably just pay you out. And then you'll just go and live on a beach somewhere and no one will ever know it ever happened. You can sure hope so anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the best case scenario. Right. I guess what happens when a plant hears its own music? Like, because that's not the way it's really putting out its energetic output, is it? It's just being interpreted in that way. So what happens when the plant hears its own music? Well, it, when it hears its own music, it uh, you know it just kind of starts playing some ambient notes around uh, around what it's doing, and a lot of times it'll be just kind of I've seen it like dependent. It, 
and take this for what it's worth because I'm still like, this is like a long way to go before I can prove this, but like it seems to be correlated to a degree to people's focus. What plants seem to do that, but like what I've noticed is that like if you focus on it more, it seems to keep being excited. But if you if you can get into a situation where people just completely disregard it being there, it'll stop playing notes almost entirely and just play one once in a while. But as soon as you consider that it's there or whatever, it seems to flourish back up. I it like I said, this is not anything that I'm saying is a proven thing, but it's something that I not only have I've noticed, but a lot of people have noticed. When I'm playing when I'm playing with the plants, the strange thing is I've done a lot of experiments where the, basically I'm trying to, to find the truth in its predictive abilities. And I'm still just so dumbfounded that it works out the way it does because no technology could potentially read your, your thoughts at all. I don't care that they, we have not caught up to that yet in, in technology terms. <laughs> but yeah, when I'm playing with these plants, I can sit and think of a chord that I'm going to go to. And I will, I will concentrate on that chord and I'll stay, you know, I'm on a different chord, but I'm like, okay, my next chord is going to be like, I'm an A, say. I'm like, I'm going to go to B on this next chord. I'm going to go to B on this next chord. And I keep thinking and thinking it. And then right before I do it, I just don't. And I, the, the <laughs> plant will live that. And it'll stop a lot of times. Literally just stop making music for a second. And then it'll jump back to, to A again. And it's like, it almost is like playing a joke with me. Like, oh, dang it, you got me. And then it goes back to the A and it starts playing with me. And I've done that a lot. And I, I there's no way I can show people what I'm thinking to prove that. Otherwise, it would be a very easy thing to prove for me. But so what I did to to show that the plants have that predictive ability, and this is back to the question of what do they do when they hear themselves or just hear music in general. But I, that predictive ability was something that I knew was inherent enough that during Christmas, I plugged in a, a tree that I was gifted for teaching this this group of children music. And they, so they gifted me, a, it's like basically a small potted Christmas tree. It's Norfolk Island time. And I plugged it in and I'm playing with it. And I kept playing a jazz version of Jingle Bells and I kept playing it and I kept playing it. But I would just play it kind of slow and let it kind of get the vibe of it. And finally, I noticed that when I would hit the last notes, it started playing them with me. And I was like, oh man. So finally, I got one where I was playing. And I just stopped and it played the last note for me. And then I kept on playing. And I was like, I literally just got, I just coaxed that plant into playing the right note of Jingle Bells with me. And I have a video of that too, but it's like you have to know your your music to hear it. But it's just like it, it, it's there, and if you understand music, you can hear it Clinton's day because it's just a different rendition of, of what you normally hear from Jingle Bells. But it's just the fact that I could even get it to correlate with one of those notes at all goes back to that predictive ability and the potential for consciousness here. But I once again, I don't I don't know for sure what we're looking at with that. But they do seem to respond to not only themselves but the music that they're around, and that goes back to. When I did an experiment at one of my friend's houses who, who had, it was my friend who actually taught me about the device originally. I get down in their basement and I plug in the plant and immediately the plant emits some really low bass notes. I mean, like the lowest bass notes I could ever imagine coming out of this thing. And I, I had played it a lot at that point. I'd never heard any notes come close to being that low. And that's when I looked at them and I asked them if they'd played EDM and, and <laughs> the, my buddy, Luke Sass, his girlfriend looks at, and me and she just started smiling really big and shaking her head and then they started laughing. It's like, okay, so playing bass music to these plants allowed her to understand how to make bass notes. 
And, and that was why I knew to ask them if they had been listening to EDM because it was apparent that those bass notes were there and there's only one type of music that I could think of that would have that bass in it. And sure enough, I was right. So once again, I, I there's not any actual concrete proof, but that's one of those things that correlates enough for them. I, I, it's an underlying thread for me that I've seen it pop up so many times that, that I can't dismiss that this is a, a tangible reality. And it's just interesting to see them actually be able to adapt to the music around them and adapt to themselves. And when you, if you were to put two plants in a room together and have them play to each other, they just start playing with each other harmoniously and they just, it becomes like a symphonic thing. It's, it's quite intriguing to just sit back and listen to two plants play with each other. And the audio that I gave you actually has, it begins with just the two plants playing. And I come in really ambiently with my guitar, just playing, just, just, kind of some drone stuff and then my bass player comes in with his drone stuff and the drummer comes in but it's just a hand drum and it, we're, we're being very very light on what we're playing but you'll we'll get to that point we got that's coming up still we will but i what you're saying there about the edm music and the low notes makes me think about what people have said about heavy metal music being bad for plants and classical music being good for them like this, it sort of does all tie into stuff that we do know about plants already. It seems to. I mean, classical music is based much more on natural patterns. Classical music does not repeat itself like modern music does almost ever. There are some that clearly there are some pieces that do, but it's a much different work than than your typical modern music. So I think there's a correlation there anyway. But like, I really think that there's a the basically an underlying frequency that these different songs might revolve around because of the way they're played or because of what they're doing or the notes that these particular people choose or like for example heavy metal if you're a musician a lot of that's tuned into drop tunings so it's much lower than what classical music would be and you don't have you know classical music you have the violins and the cellos and the, just all the different orchestration that has all the different it's like a full range of frequencies where modern music usually isn't quite to that degree and even then being digital nowadays there might even be something even less going on there that we're not even fully aware of because you know a three chord if you're going basically computers register on one to ten and you know denominations that they're they're down from there but when you're thinking of music Music's like a round circle. You know, music's basically like a circle compared to a computer, which is a square. So to try and interpret music through a digital means, you know, if you got a quarter note or a three-quarter note, you're looking at 2.5 or 7.5. And yeah, we can catch up and make our, you know, we'll just keep breaking things down more and more in the digital world. But the truth is you can't imitate a circle of into a square. Like unless you're, you know, like been able to figure that kind of stuff out so music that's fidelity can't even get to that that degree yet so i, I don't think i don't think we were even looking at that question right to begin with because of the way we approached it but when you get beyond that i understand the frequencies my studies before i ever started playing music with uh with plants were deep into the horticulture side of things and i write for garden culture magazine and i even have an article out there that describes that it wasn't so much the music that was affecting the plants, but the actual particular frequencies. And it seems like around the 5,000 range, the 5,000K range the, for for birds and crickets and all this other stuff has a, a synergistic effect. So if you were to take a, a greenhouse full of corn 
and you were to run 5,000 at it uh, as opposed to no sound at all, you know what I mean? Like that, that pitch. Well, then that seems to correlate greatly with the, the plants that you're growing. But if you use a different frequency, it might not respond quite the same. So what they're finding is that nature has a resonating pitch that seems to be emanating at a pretty constant rate as long as it's not in the dead of winter. And I'm sure anywhere you hear it, I have you know, a friend out in Australia, and she's showing me the sounds that she's recorded out in nature out there. And, and I was showing her out here the sounds that we have around here. And wherever I go, I like to go sit out in nature and do that forest bathing like you talk about. And just listen to the sounds. But the one thing that's always there is the ever admitting frequency, the hum, much like the internal hum in your body. Earth has its own hum and the components of the different symphonic qualities of nature, the birds and the frogs and the animals and everything. Like they, they all come together in a uh, symphonic fashion. And that, that does a lot for what's going on. And, and if you don't think that that correlates to how the, the vegetation responds, even on a sheerly scientific level, I mean, certain elements are proven to vibrate at certain frequencies better than others. So if, say, and this is only, I, I don't know if this is a correlation, I would like to say calcium registers better, or I'm sorry, is more mobile at being, when it's subjected to a 5,000 hertz level. Well, maybe that the bird singing at the 5,000 hertz level helps calcium in the soil become more mobile for the plant. and there It can absorb it better or something. Maybe the sounds themselves actually can just resonate resonate with the just the, the the sheer elements that work with nature and everything to make this even a possibility. So we might be overlooking it at what it is that's going on, but I know that there's been almost no regard for the sounds of nature and their effect on on the growth patterns of what we have. I mean, our farmers over I, I don't know how it is over in Australia right now, but I know in, in America here. Our farmers are still using salt-based fertilizers, uh, fertilizers and spraying our our fields with glyphosates. And even though there's class action lawsuits going on about the glyphosates, and even though we know that the thing that we all did to our, you know, the people back in the day when they would ever get in fights with their other uh, territories or whatever, they would go and salt the earth when they were done. So that way nothing, right? So why would we go and salt our own earth? It doesn't make sense. It's just a completely insane practice that we're doing. But yet we're reliant on these salt-based fertilizers, and then we spray our fields with glyphosate, killing everything in the field that could actually potentially help. Because what most people don't realize is that your little plants and your little stuff that grows, like, for example, over here we got dandelion and, and just different types of grasses and stuff. But those plants are are really tuned into mining certain elements and a tree might not be so good at mining those elements and that soil might need different elements in it. So that plant is just a calling card to come in and it grows until it can replace those elements. It converts elements from one to the other. So you have the ground basically repairing itself by growing these different plants because it draws in these different elements. But within underneath the, the ground, there's a fungal network and these plants attach to these trees, and the trees attach to the plants through these uh, mycorrhizal networks. And what happens is they actually exchange different energy and different food sources through that. So there's a synergy that's going on there. And when you spray these grounds with your salts and your chemicals to stop things from growing, you're killing off not only the plants, but the fungal network and the things that are trying to repair your ground 
to be good uh, topsoil anyway. So you watch these people, and they're, they're, they can't even get their soil in check right. And now they're trying to, you know, trying to think about bringing in some kind of concept of sound having anything to do with anything. Forget about it. We can't even get them to just use the water in the, in the soil correctly. How would we ever get them to start wrapping their brains around sound right now as being a beneficial or even a detrimental subject, depending on what kind of sound they're being exposed to? It, 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 it seems like we're at an uphill battle with that that I don't think we get across to, but I think it's a very fundamental point that people should get back into because if you notice, and then we'll go back to the forest bathing thing, when you're in the forest, as I said before, those sounds never repeat, and there's always a beneficial sound emanating. When you're in modern technology-oriented places, that's just not the case. So I, I, I'd like people to kind of really consider that nature has an underlying core of music and that music is absolutely absolutely essential to not only a, a fecunditive which which is a healthful you know this just means basically good in nature it just it's not only good for nature but our sanity literally relies on being able to have that as opposed to ads and humming from mechanical means and just the nonstop bombardment of technology. It, our brains are are based on being out in that nature and that natural surrounding and those sounds. And we are as much part of the earth as the earth itself. We are from the earth and that's what we are. And that's that's there's no way we can ever get away from that connection. So if we're removing ourselves from those things we are just like the garden that's lacking in those things and uh, if a garden can do better and work better what do you think it's going to do for our mental state we are also a garden we are just super sophisticated composters all we really are here to do is food and water and air we convert the air into clearly carbon so plants can take that in but then we take the food in so we can convert it into a composted food source for the plants to take in and the water we drink, and then we convert it into nutrients for the plants to take in. The plants are actually growing us. Hmm. We aren't growing plants. Plants don't move. Plants don't go anywhere. Plants don't have to go anywhere. We travel all over the earth. We go to ridiculous means. We ship elements from all aspects of the earth to other parts of the earth to try and sell them and do all this so people can grow their plants better. And guess what plants aren't doing? <laughs> Any of that. We are. So who's growing who? Are we the bacteria? Are we the biology that's running around and picking up all these different elements and bringing it to these plants? Yes. So the plants aren't really actually being grown. They are growing us and seem to be much, much smarter than we are because they're requiring absolutely no effort to do this while we are literally driving ourselves almost to the brink of sanity trying to find a way to do this and live our pop culture modern lifestyle well that's a metaphor for the kind of music that you make as well isn't it like the plant is just doing its thing and you guys are all revolving around that plant and catering to what it wants to do yeah 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 i mean if we bring it it doesn't bring us you know what i mean and so it's it so it's like we we are the thing that's yeah allowing it to have its existence in that it's not it's not the other way around it's it, yeah and you get into this part of the career it's you know, it's really funny because everybody, in a, usually in a music standpoint, whether they want to admit it or not, is trying to build up themselves, correct? Yeah. You know what I mean? They want to build up 
musical career. And this is this to do this takes 100% the lack of ego that most people would have to have to be a musician because you're now you're you're promoting the, the plant, not yourself. It doesn't matter how good of a and I found this. It does not matter how good of a musician you are with this. The plant's still going to take precedence because I mean, for the love of God, it's a plant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Great. So you're the best guitar player ever. Who cares? There's a plant playing over here. Have you seen this? Yet? So you really have to remove yourself and get out of the way of your own self to get to this and and appreciate it. But it's it's humbling in the best ways, you know. Yeah. Look, Tom, I'd like to show our listeners piece of music that you sent us but i want you to explain what's going on in this piece of audio before i play it for them well this is uh the first i'll call it a meditation session that i've ever done for this and it happened right before covid mind you all this all these things that have happened for me have only happened within about a, about a year this all started just really last year i didn't even publish the floor idea till june of last year so but this piece is a session i was doing at Lakeshore Yoga Center, and we had about 30 people, and, and we wanted to, to have them be able to sit down and get a real hands-on with this and really understand what this is without being in a chaotic bar environment or some kind of typical use or typical musical environment that generally tends to have a chaotic element. So this is a nice laid-back approach where we could have the plants really kind of shine and show what they were doing, and we were just trying to stay kind of out of the way of it, but just complement what the plants were doing. Usually we would kind of give it a song to play to, but what we did in this case is we had two of the machines hooked up to one, a jade plant, and two, a money tree. And then we allowed those two things to play with each other, and then we just played along with that. Because if you give them each other to play with, then they become a different thing on their own as opposed to just listening to themselves or whatever. So we allowed them to start playing, and then we came in, and this is as the, the night was closing out, and we were showing everybody the last bit of what we were doing so this came out really nice and it was uh one of the good ones that i could find i've been meaning to get this audio out for a little while and it'll be up on our spotify and everything eventually but i figured this would be a great time to to highlight it and i figured that would be something fresh for you to to highlight too because i've been trying to keep consistently giving some new stuff out to my 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 listeners because they seem to really appreciate it and every time i do it goes farther and better and Everybody's really digging it. it I, I was thinking people were going to get burned out on it pretty fast just because that's how the music world works with everything, right? But this is so interesting that it just seems to keep kind of progressing as it goes. And with you being in Australia, I, uh, I, I always, I love Australia and the, my, my friends that I've met there and the music that I've uh, been able to be influenced by because of it. So I was excited and I figured this is a good time to, to air some new music so this is this is a, I, there's no name for it it's just a, a session that we did of an improv thing with my band members which is my band's cosmic now and my cousin dr greg lang and he's a world traveler and he does a bunch of different type of world music and everything as well but we got together and so i'm playing my guitar my drummer's playing a hand drum my bass player is playing just a drone on the bass just one note and then dr greg lang is playing a crystal bowl a just a really ambient drone note on the synth and then a didgeridoo and i thought it was kind of ironic that i, I was going to pull mm-hmm. this out i'm like oh it's a didgeridoo cool why not well perfect it'll be the best one to send you i suppose so yeah we're gonna gonna listen to that before we listen maybe our listeners might like to just take a moment to take a deep breath out 
take a deep breath in. Just feel your body and just relax into it because this is very relaxing music and you need to be on the right frequency in order to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would also recommend taking your deep breath, letting out the deep breath, and then focusing on just the sound around you. And not, that doesn't go for the music, but it's before you even enter the music, don't try and clear your mind of thinking any any particular thoughts at all. Just focus on just the sound around you and then enter that space with that clear state of mind and that relaxed state of mind because it allows for, I think, our thoughts to go to more places that we probably need to dig into. But so, Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it.
Thank you so much, Tom, for sharing that with us. That was a really beautiful little moment that you've shared with us. Thank you for that. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, I was really excited to work on that. It's actually the first thing I've ever mixed in a studio-like fashion. I, I, I've, my computers explode on me quite frequently. I've had the terrible most. I've just had a terrible time with most technology. So I, I I was excited to be able to do this and then let you be able to air it because it was not only the first thing that I've ever mixed, but clearly it's a profound subject as it is, and it's across the world. It's always always fun to do these kind of things. So thank you for letting me do that. Yeah, you can hear the two plants at the start. One of them is a synthesized uh, piano. One of them is a synthesized harp. And then you got you just sort of let them vibe out together. And then you guys come in as musicians. And you can tell you have just being very soft to start with, as you said. We, we want the listeners to be able to understand what's actually going on and not overcomplicate that. Because it's hard for people who aren't musicians to be able to uh, distinguish all the instruments. And it's a crazy thing for my brain to get around because of me being able to play music and understand it like I do. That when people hear music, not everybody hears all the instruments of the band. They just hear the song as a whole and don't dissect any of the pieces of it. And a lot of people are like that. So it's nice, I think, for us to let the plants just do their thing first because that tells people what's actually going on. And that's why we wanted to let it vibe out and just really kind of stay out of the way of it. Mm. Yeah, I think that was excellent. Good. Glad you liked it. <laughs> so I can hear that you guys, as I said, you guys, you're not really like forcing your rhythms on the plant. You're following the plant. But at the end of the day, you are still influencing the plant's noises, as you said, aren't you? Well, we do actually. Like the first song that we played with was just a song. We'd already had the song. We were putting that song on our album regardless. So it didn't matter if the plant could play to it or not. And it just started playing to the song. Mm. And it does. A different tempo is if we get a, a, a different tempo to, to quite a few different degrees. Now, obviously, you're not going to probably be able to play in some really extravagant timing. That's some off-count weird stuff, you know what I mean? But, like, if you're playing normal music, and when I mean normal music, it means almost all music. It, it, it's You're not going to run into an anomaly like that. And they do kind of have a predictive pattern, and it can follow along with even your rhythms at times. And I, I'm still trying to grasp my head around all this because it seems it still seems very fairy tale-ish even though I'm a year in and I've I mean I've had this featured on uh, on our our local news I've had it featured on the Mystic Michigan television series I've had it published in Garden Culture magazine throughout the UK and Ireland I've had it talked about in like the Detroit Metro Times which is a, a main newspaper I've had it talked about in different radio stations you're I can't you're definitely the first international no I don't think you are. No, I think I have done one other international stream on something like this, but you're the first podcast that I've done internationally. But I've done a few uh, podcasts now and I have a few more set. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's constantly going. There's so much more ahead of all this, but they do have that, you know, just, just for clarification, they do adapt to rhythm to some degree too. I've even noticed that if you have it set to a certain key, like say it's in the key of E and you're playing in the key of C or something like that, the plant will actually stop playing the notes that don't quite fit around mm. the key. It's in. So like it say like three or four of the notes of the key of C and the key of E can be interchanged, but the rest of them don't go together. The plant seems to play only the notes that will go with that key. It's just so many weird things about this. <laughs> yeah. 
So what does all of this say about how we model plants in terms of their capacity, I suppose, like their level of consciousness? What does this say about plants? Well, I've been saying for a long time, plants need to be reclassified. Uh, as, I, as I stated earlier, the entire forest is connected and has an ability to work with itself synergistically. Certain plants know to mine certain things to deliver the trees, and the trees know to mine certain things to deliver the plants, and they all work together. And there's clearly a realm of consciousness. I mean, plants can catch bugs. You know what I mean? They, they know the bugs are... Um, they've they've done experiments with different like dropping plants and they have certain plants that will react if you drop the plant and after uh dropping the plant a few times and, and letting it know that it won't be hurt the plant stops reacting but then it only holds a memory of it for like a, a certain duration and it'll forget again so they've shown not only that are you know plants able to hold memory to some degree but they do understand certain things but the sense of a plant would be something that we couldn't understand because its level of thinking, if there is one, wouldn't be on the realm of what we're on. Because we still, you know, we, we're still based on five senses, but clearly there's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we got what touch, taste, smell, see, and hear. But what about thinking? What about what about thinking? How is that not a sense? How how if you're, if you're perceiving, you can't touch, you can't smell, you can't taste, you can't hear. You can't, you know, you can't do any of these things. That's a really good point. Plants don't have eyes and they don't have ears. So our assumption that they're hearing the music is probably even too much of an assumption as well. They're probably perceiving on a different realm altogether that our model just doesn't fit. No, not at all. And and if people don't think that plants can communicate, we got to get it out of the way of ourselves because they're, you can call it God, you can call it Mother Nature, you can call it what you want, but it's constantly communicating with us, even on the plant level. If you don't give a plant enough water and you walk into the room, can you tell the plant's distressed? Mm, you can. So if that's the case, is that plant communicating with you that there's something going on? Mm. To those who have ears. Well, yeah, so you're not hearing it talk to you. You're not, you're not, it's not physically jumping out at you trying to say, hey, I'm here doing this, but in a way it is because it's drooping or it's turning yellow because it didn't get the right nourishment or whatever, and you can see that there's an actual effect going on. So clearly the plant's communicating, but our level of what we think communication is, we strictly think it's on a verbal level, and we don't realize that there's so much more going on. And I mean, obviously, when you think about it, clearly there is because we communicate on different things and a person emotions just by expressing them on their face without saying anything but many times we don't think about that as communication as we do Mm. expression but in fact they are the same thing so communication can be expressed on many different levels in plants they can tell you when they're sick they can tell you when they're happy i mean me being a horticulturist i can make compost teas and give them to a plant and walk into the room after I give that plant the compost tea and literally see the leaves standing almost straight up into the mm-hmm. sky where you just kind of fall, they almost droop to a 90 degree level to capture the sun, like, like solar ray or to like solar panels, give it the right nourishment. Those plants almost stand straight up on end. And uh, you can see that they're happy at that moment. And then, like I said, if you give them water and you don't give them nutrients, then you start to see that they become root bound and, and they start, 
kind of getting droopy and maybe they'll start yellowing out and get necrosis and you start realizing, oh man, my plant needs some love. Well, that plant's communicating with you, but it's just not screaming at you because it can't. Mm. And maybe it is. Maybe there is a frequency there. We just can't hear it. We don't know. We can't. I mean, we can't even see everything. Our, our level of ability to see is on such a micro level compared to the entire spectrum of what we know is visible. And then what we, we can hear is also such a narrow, narrow view of, of what is actually out there audibly. So what, what do we know? We don't even know. That plant could be literally screaming at us. It could be like the W, you know, I don't know if you ever seen the WB frog for over there when you no. were growing up or whatever. There was this frog that would only dance and sing when nobody was looking. And that was the whole joke of it that, you know, you would never. So it's just like, how do we know? We just don't know. The whole forest might come alive and dance around like fairies, just like the old folktale. And we just don't see it because they're too afraid to show us because clearly we would destroy it if we had a chance. Anyway, we'd cage it up and immediately try and put a parking lot there and everybody come in and we'd sell tickets, you know. And I don't think nature wants that. I think that's what it was intended for. So maybe it would maybe it withdraws from us to some degree as well, you know. I hope that our listeners are just as mind blown as I am, honestly, because, yeah, how incredible, how bloody incredible is this, mate? It's just, you know, life is, life is way deeper than we give it credit for. And what we came from is definitely a lot more interesting than where we're going. And without it, we don't exist. So interesting is it, it, it fundamental is, I think, probably the, the word I would use for that. And if we could just understand that, uh, the world would probably be a better place. Tom, just before we wrap this episode up, is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about? And like I said, there's there's so much that I could keep going on and on with. It's just it's such a deep subject. But basically, that we are nature. We, you are as much nature as the trees and the grass and 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 the earth. And those are reality. That is reality. Those trees and the plants and the insects and and the living beings are reality. Everything else that's in our modern day world is completely counter opposite of that. And even though it seems very real, it's an, it's it's a means of taking us away from the true source of everything. And I'm afraid of, of where we're actually going with things because I think that with AI and with the deep fakes now and the ability of everything to adapt to whatever I will say that is out there that you can make up whatever you want now and make it seem like somebody's sane. So everything that's on the digital world can be completely fake now to some degree. And that's terrifying. And we're only going to get farther into that and worse into that. And green pixels are only micro dots, but those micro dots can take any form that they want to show you a certain image in order to project a certain image into your brain and make you feel a certain emotion. Now, everything that you see on the computer screen, everything you experience on the computer screen is only a series of those pixels. That's not real. That's only an illusion of the potential of that image. So it's you're not actually experiencing any of those things that you are. You're only seeing one thing just rearranged in different ways. It's all the same, and it's all just there to prey on you. It's all there just to take your information, utilize it, and can carry it into some place, and they hold it hostage somewhere. Because when you're on social media and you're doing all those things, that's what all those cookies are about. They hold your information hostage somewhere, and that's your name and your likeness and, and everything. And a lot of people who aren't into music and doing contracts about your image and likeness and all that don't understand that that's a reality, but you sign up for that. 
And that's going to be put away. And that means that in the future, there's a potential that they could take any one of our images and any one of our voices and any one of our likenesses and recreate it. And they could have AI robots running around, changing to anybody you could possibly ever imagine. You wouldn't know the difference. And that's, that's, that's the reality we're heading for. A complete reality of disillusion, a complete, or I mean, a complete reality of, of illusion, a complete reality of, you know, not being able to be free thinking and not being able to be free speaking and not being able to be free individuals. And that's where we're heading with all this. So when you get into this and you understand that plants understand that this is all going on to some degree, potentially, at least they understand that, you know, if you cut them, they're being hurt. If you're digging them up, they're not going to be able to grow in that environment anymore. There, I mean, there's a small bit of understanding for these, even if we don't get into the deeper side of what we're talking about today. But there's that knowledge there. If you don't think that the bugs and the birds and the animals and all that are all also understanding to some degree of what's going on, then like we're that's just that means this just we're missing out on this over and over again. And I think that they must have a better idea of what's going on at this point by far than we do because we're just becoming more and more reliant on this technology, this thing that's not even real, this thing that can take the form of anything but isn't actually anything. And the farther we get into that, the farther we're getting away from the thing that makes us real and the farther we get away from the appreciation of the thing that makes us real. And without that and with that lack of of understanding, we are going to quickly destroy what it is that makes reality beautiful. And we will quickly cease to exist at that rate if we do this. So I think um, maybe the reason that the plants have allowed themselves to be able to come to this point maybe the because if you think about it we had to develop and to end to get to the point of understanding that we could do this with plants but plants clearly have had this ability all along so we have come to we kept eating these plants and growing and coming a society till we could get to a certain point in society where we could understand that we this exists like you know our, our brains had to consciously understand that this could happen and that this could exist so maybe the plants are showing us this is what's going on right now so that we can catch up to reality and get back to our roots as opposed to getting farther and farther into the abyss of, of modern creation. So yeah, just, just don't forget, don't forget that there's a potential that maybe the plants are actually teaching us to do this right now so that we can get back to our traditional roots and not destroy what it is that is us in the first place. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Well, thank you for having me. And of course, I know that you probably put all the links on, but if any of the listeners would care to dive deeper into all this, my website is cosmicnotmusic.com. That's cosmic not. So it's it's not with a K, K-N-O-T. So cosmic, just like the cosmos, cosmicnotmusic.com. And you can find all sorts of information on this there and find out about the floor music genre that has been created because of all this. And then, yes, it's quite the, quite the subject. And I know there's probably much more to talk about. We haven't even gotten into water yet. So yeah, well, Dr. Yoshimoto, was it? Did some interesting work with water? Oh, well, yeah, no, no, Dr. Emoto. Oh, Dr. Emoto, oh, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Yosari Emoto. He, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can get into that. I mean, my goodness, that's that that's how I started understanding that any of this was even a possibility because if water can take the shape of whatever you're thinking, 
That means you can remolecularize yourself at any given moment with the thoughts you think. So if you think positive thoughts, your body will hold a hold more positive form. And if you think negative thoughts, your body will hold a more negative form. Therefore, what you think is fundamental also to your well-being. And therefore, it gets back into the plants thing and the conscious thing and their consciousness thing and what really exists and how it really intertwines. And Oh, man, and that's just the tip of what we're talking about with water. So, yes, there's much more to discuss. I'm excited about that. But Dr. Schauberger is another one that gets into water. But Victor Schauberger, if you get into Dr. Emoto and Dr. Schauberger, oh, man. Tom, I would love to have our listeners fade out on a song that you guys played on your YouTube channel. It's titled Plant Music, The Birth of Floranoleptic. Music genre with cosmic Florganoleptic. Florganoleptic. The birth of the Florganoleptic. <laughs> uh, with Cosmic Knot at Dogtown Studios. Would it be okay if I faded out on that instead of my usual outro? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would I appreciate that very much. Yeah. It's gonna be a vibe.